One last mission. Welcome back, nobody. It's your favorite Doom Patrol podcast. This side of the painting, my name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we are talking about episode 10 of season 4, titled Tomb Patrol. Uh, today's episode is written by Akela Ellison and Tom Farrell. Uh, no stranger to the series whatsoever. And directed by Omar Mada again. So Omar directed uh, yesterday or last week's episode at Mortis Patrol. And then, of course, Tomb Patrol now. N- nor a stranger um, to, to this show, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to, to absolutely. Toot our own horn for a minute there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, this today's episode completely different than the musical number, and so I think it shows a bit of nice range for Omar Mada, who's uh, done Sex Patrol, Nineteen Seventeen Patrol, Bird Patrol, um, Immortimus Patrol, and now Tomb Patrol, uh, and and so this one kind of deals with the aftermath. Of Immort- Immortimus Patrol, but then also what I what I really like about today's episode, and I and I kind of want to expand on this, like my biggest takeaway from this episode, is that I really enjoy how this starts to reconcile and 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 everything that we've we've come across in the series, and and especially in season four and the end of season three, which was a big kind of you know turnaround. Um, was that we're not going to wait till the series finale to kind of reconcile some of these feelings and be like, you know, we're all together, we're holding hands, like this Gene Bomb moment of the Doom Patrol. We're not doing, we're not going to wait anymore until the s- season finale to to have a moment like that. We only have two more episodes left now. And so in this 10th episode, so not even the penultimate episode, but the episode uh, you know that comes before it we're gonna <laughs> does that have a right. name yeah it doesn't i don't know maybe someone knows and i don't know uh i won't try but we're gonna start to kind of um have have these connections now that's what this episode is there's a lot of scenes that are just relationships that we're familiar with and it's them holding hands uh, as as the end is nigh you know, yeah. Um, but Nathan, what it would you know? What are your big takeaways takeaways of of today's episode? Um, this was a really cool episode. Uh, in the same way, like you said, in the same way, how like the gene bomb kind of told that story of an end. Um, mm-hmm. and it was a really good feeling to see that. Um, it wasn't good to actually have a realization that the show and these characters are, are ending and coming to an end. Cause that's not what I mean. Um, the fact that it's like actually putting a cap on it and it not being like the last episode and it just giving you a hint of like these characters. And like I said, in the other episode, this timeline does have the potential to end and it can end and we can make it end. And that's cool. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's really intricate. Um, it was very somber, of course, um, seeing my characters, you know, grow old and whatnot, but, um, very real in the sense that they've, you know, lived many lifetimes and, 
you know, maybe sometimes you just don't want to do it anymore and, and you actually see an answer or, you know, a, a way to end and you're like, hey, maybe I'm going to take it this time. Um, and that's just sad, you know? Yeah, it, it's uh, th- there's um, one of the big ones would be Larry and Rita. It's something I really, uh, I really enjoyed seeing that reconciled. Of course, there's another moment between Rita and Lara, which just goes back to dividing them further. Um, they're very similar, and it, and that can be uh, what's volatile about the relationship. And um, you know, one you know, the, both seeing each other as some sort of um, unhinged. Uh, dark mirror of themselves Um, and at the same time trying to reconcile something and so that is very familiar ground Um, but Rita and Larry was something that happened um, in was it season three I don't even think it was season four really I think the the group was already split apart um, but yeah, Larry and Rita we we, you know in, in constant seasons we've always talked about these characters and um, how close they've always been, like through all the stuff the Doom Patrol has been, like these are the these are the two um, uh, inaugural residents of Doom Manor yeah. under Niles Calder. They've always been together. They've always been tight knit. We saw that with the Butterfly Collector, um, and then uh, only until recently when Reader Far wanted to take on leadership of the Doom Patrol, did Larry vote that down. And then of course that's what they talk about in this episode, but. Uh, to, to have them come together again and, and be kind of this um, elderly couple, it's to me, warms my heart because, like, that's that's what I love about it. And honestly, this, if, if there's one character or person to highlight in today's episode, for me, it's April Bowlby. Um, by far, just this whole series, I, I've always, I've, like, absolutely adored her, her um, approach as Rita Farr. And, and truly elevating this character completely. And the way April Bowlby approaches this old lady act is, to me, it's the way she talks, the way it's like almost like a very uh, airy uh, whisper of the way she's talking. Like, it's very tired yeah. way of, of speaking. Very lived. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of yeah. over it all and just, like, done and, and accepting... Uh, you know the the age i guess mm-hmm. um that's really more so what i was enjoying a lot about it it was it was her being real uh to the character and finding mm-hmm. that 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 area where it's like you are probably like 150 plus years old like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be breathing <laughs> let alone standing <laughs> yeah um but yeah, yeah excellent yeah. excellent um Acting. Just kudos about yeah being this old lady. She uh, truly nails it. Uh, obviously, the hair and makeup they make her look the part, and, and the wardrobe as well makes her look very old. Um, but it, it's the mannerisms, it's the way she she moves, and kind of the way she um, talks a bit and sounds much older. And it's very more like um, it's also that hired like voice, old old Hollywood like way of talking as well. Um, that's yeah. like almost like a character within itself is is yeah. just like excellent and then to have like this more um, motherly persona where 
no, she's cooking and she wants everyone to be together for dinner and yeah, um, and in the kitchen and I'm trying to get this can opener to work and like uh, you know her joints are giving her problems so she wants to relax a bit and it's like everything about the mannerisms of being an old lady she's nailing this character this act of being an old lady and really getting into the mindset of it like I truly had such a fun time just watching her act as an old lady um and i and i quite enjoyed it um the uh the other big thing about this episode is that we go back into the realm of the werebutts which is something they decided to do in this doom patrol tv series and it has gone so far it's been so uh there's this whole story arc throughout the show ever since season one and now till season four there are these butt uh monsters and it's so hard to explain to someone uh, of course if you're watching this show you're familiar with it you understand where it's going where it's coming from we've got um the beard hunter is played by um uh i can't i can't remember his name is it tom snyder um and but then he's like the beard hunter at first obviously based out of the grant morrison uh cop uh, issue um uh, but then there is the butt hunter now. Yeah, I'm he trying to remember if he played jobs. different. Ca- yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Was there another character he played as well before he became the butt hunter? Isn't this like the third one? Um, oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe there was yeah, something but, with a mask or. But now he's the butt hunter, and now we've got this butt thing, and. Um, I you know I couldn't tell you. if someone walked in the room while you while I'm watching this and I had to explain what was going on I wouldn't be able to <laughs> explain it whatsoever without sounding like I'm psychotic or something it's just one of those crazy things about this TV show you got to remember uh, like that the exists. future still is the apocalypse like that's yeah that's unchanged yeah and we have Teddy and Nicholas which are like the the two uh, really sentient butts that exist here um and obviously it's just it's just such a wacky subplot that's almost like a serious subplot and uh it, it is what it is it's 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 um almost to like a doctor who level of of being this <laughs> impending doom that's that's continuously here but yeah the apocalypse is is still upon us uh who knows how that will uh collide with the um impending doom of general immortus aka isabel feathers who now has a solo uh performance a, a, a one person act at the cloverton theater uh the cloverton playground i think it's called playhouse um nate what uh, any thoughts on, on on the on the ruffled feathers play um yeah i mean it was just a I, I'm I'm with the audience with with the with the questions and the laughter at the end of it. Um, Yesterday we said that we had some true thespians on the yeah. on the musical, and, and then, then we, we got cut that. to this. <laughs> what is and it like to be an actor having to act as a bad actor? Yeah, you know. Um, what I is thought that it was like? very enjoyable. It was it was comical. Um, the the jump cuts were were excellent. The the timeline that they showed the whole show in. And, and cutting back to, to Michelle uh, in the back of the theater was just like, oh, this is this is great. Because, um, you know, like Immortus is this, you know, super powerful end of the world kind of being. But then Isabel Feathers is still 
like the vessel for that. It's like, yes, but mm-hmm. Isabel wants mm-hmm. to, the world is a stage. So, you know, it, that she only works in your be... fake reality. It doesn't work in real life because you go to the playhouse and you put on your show and it's a disaster, you know? You bomb. Yeah, she, she, she has all this power in the world, but she just wants to be accepted for who she was, which is just... As actor, and she was good back then. I think everyone liked her. You know, when they did Our Town, and she plays Rita Farr, aka right. the Blob, that they were like everyone loved her. But now that she's like this fearless, uh, feared leader, and uh, that she just wants to do this performance as herself and not empower it with the immortus part of her, uh, and 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 to have such criticism. Um, plays into her struggle internally as a character, her feelings. Like, she wants to be accepted for who she is. And that kind of starts to ring a bell and sync up with uh, Laura DeMille for a bit. She sits in there, um, you know, kind of covering her face as she witnesses this god-awful performance. Um, but, yeah, she's she kind of tunes in and it's like, oh, wait, this person is just like us. We're, um, yeah. They're on the outside wanting to come in. And be accepted for who they are, um, and and we can all agree with it. We can all like kind of connect with that a bit because, of course, we're watching the Doom Patrol show, and they are the same way as these yeah. abnormal people hoping to be normal. Here she is as well, um, but then it all <laughs> then you cut to like the birthing of of her, and um, there's the part where she does like the composite, like her as a child, and then her as her mother, <laughs> and like. <laughs> it's silly shit that's just like oh okay i i kind of like this in in a, in a laugh at kind of way yeah very similar uh, to just rita herself especially in like season one and two where rita did just want to to be in the world and, and be herself again and you know go to the playhouse and do acting and you know unfortunately things like her blob would would come out and she would fall apart and and whatnot. So it's very reminiscent mm. of oh, yeah. like that character, just like a full, you know yeah. parallel, a newer yeah, a parallel but also full circle type type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a familiar. It's not a it uh, it is a familiar um, problem mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the Doom Patrol is facing, and they know the answer. That answer is acceptance, right? I mean, we see it with Michelle Gomez. She goes up and says, hey, I liked your show. Gives her a thumbs up. And that's all Immortus wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the, the whole performance here, um, it, it, it really does start to somehow align with the Doom Patrol themselves. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see... Uh, you know, not to, not to skip to, to the end, but the way that... Um, the longevity and and, and kind of like this time <laughs> time warp, uh, <laughs> this time warp that they send <laughs> the Doom Patrol into. Uh, I'm curious to see how that will continue to align with um, who Isabel Feathers is as a per- person, sans the Immortus. Um, but I think there is something there that they will continue to expand on. Um, and then of course we have um, the situation here with the with the butt apocalypse as well and see how that will um, further uh, connect the the world and, and, and hopefully make it a better place through some sort of unification. I'm, I'm um, what, what if Immortus is, you know, by the time Immortus ends up 
taken over the world, the only world that's left is a buttpocalypse world. Yeah. And you don't want that. Get the time yeah. machine again. And, uh, we'll need it, and we'll need her help or something to, to stop it or something like that. Um, who knows? But, um, yeah, it, it just the relationships throughout this episode. This, this really is what this episode is about. And so there was a lot to crack into um, with Immortimus Patrol. But for Tomb Patrol, it is a, um, uh, a deeper dive into the relationships that we are very familiar with. Um, one of the other relationships is Victor and Silas Stone. Now, this is one yeah. where Victor and Silas, they, they um, start to have a question about becoming cyborg again. Nate, this is something you and I talk a lot, not just on this podcast, but on TC Cinematic Minute, where we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League and talking about that cyborg and that Silas Stone. Where we are in this episode with this cyborg conversation is it, it brings to light some things I don't think I've thought about before. Um, and so, obviously, in this one, we, we've talked about it many times before. It's like, will he decide to become cyborg again? Will this be an escapade? where Victor has has become fully human again, and we get to see what life is like. Um, but something that was brought up in, in this episode that Victor and, and Silas talk about again is, um, you know, Victor asked Silas, you know, would, would you have me become cyborg again? And Silas says, I made that decision the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he will not make that decision again for Victor. Right. Um, but, you know, he said something along the lines of, um, you, you were a different person not b- because I made you cyborg, but because you were grieving the loss of your mother. And Silas was different because he was grieving the loss of his wife. It's not something I really thought of before. And so when I think about that, and I think about who Cyborg is, and I think about that kind of relationship we've always struggled with with Victor and, and Silas, I started to think of, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. And very, you know, any Cyborg really with Silas Stone in it. Um, to think about this cold relationship between father and son we've talked about so many times before, I've never quite thought about it like, were they a little bit different before the mother passed? Because it always seemed like that he was never around. And so that disdain is is grown and made worse by the death of the mother. Um, and that's true. But now hearing it, I think, hmm, being made cyborg is salt to the wound almost and maybe we've had this conversation Who's before what do you, what, what, the the wound of the mother's death does that um, make sense yeah i think we've had a conversation similar um and and i think our conversation at that time was in reference to justice league silas stone and yeah cyborg being salt in the wound to the loss of a mother, but also from Cyborg's per, or from Silas's perspective, it was also assault in the wound toward the loss of your son and you choosing mm-hmm. to do this to him and your son having disdain towards you because you chose to do something, you know? 
It's like mm-hmm. I didn't ask to be born kind of thing. Um, I didn't so, ask to be turned into this. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I think salt in the wound. Um, but what I think is incredible through this cyborg and Silas uh, relationship here that we get in this show is that, um, like, this is a second chance that that Silas is kind of presented with. Um, Mm -hmm. And he immediately says, like, I would not make that decision for you again because I already did it once. And, you know, I had my own internal battles with that. Like, I already know. I already went through the gamut of is this right or is this wrong kind of thing. Like, I would never go through that again because whatever that answer was, obviously I didn't like it. But, you know, it turned you into you. So if it was Mm -hmm. needed, then... I can't make that decision, but you as a person, Victor, you wanting to be the hero and wanting to do more, you would have to make that decision, and your decision is obviously going to be yes. Um, So I think it's really cool that this Silas and this Victor get to be on a more personal level in this discussion of being Cyborg. It's not after the fact, because we kind of etch-a-sketched it all, and we gave Cyborg back his—we gave Victor back his skin, and we made him a human again. But it's like, oh, well, obviously, as a reader, you know, like, well, that's that's the wrong choice because you're supposed to be cyborg. That is who you are. That is who you turn out to be. That's who you grow into to your destined to become. Um, But now we have a conscious Victor Stone talking about I am a hero. I want to be a hero. Am I supposed to be saying I want to choose cyborg? And the fact that Cy- that Victor and Silas are able to have this conversation awake and in 100% clear mind kind of thing is really big because he's dead when the f- first decision mm-hmm. is made to do that to him. You know what I mean? So it's like Cy- Victor actually has input within this. And his input was, I have to find myself and I have to figure out what I want to do. And that is be a hero. That's because it's what I know how to do. So... Let's do it. Yeah, it, the the quote, which is, you know, be a hero on your own terms. That power of choice. We've talked about that one a lot. Yeah. And um, and I, I think now that um, Victor Stone has gone on this arc in this in this series, in, in a way that I I feel like most cyborg sh- uh, storylines they don't they don't get to have the beginning, middle, and end complete arc of, of of cyborg to go through this he's you know created to be cyborg the loss of his mother all that all that origin stuff we're so familiar with and then have all this reconciliation with his father and then decide i have the opportunity to become human again i'm going to take it he becomes human again and then be on this arc and stay with him through this human arc and then realize I do want to be a hero anyways. Like that's just who I am. That's who I was before I was cyborg the first time. And I think that's the thing we've talked a a lot about in Zack Snyder's justice league as well. That cyborg as well. It's like, he's always been a hero. It's just now he's a biomechatronic hero. (laughs) And so even with the full human skin now, uh, he's still a hero, but um, he, he lost a lot of his um, privilege to help people using the privilege he has as the biomechatronic hero 
Uh, and so now he wants to put it back on to help people further as the hero in him, his calling to be a hero, to make those heroic choices. He must um, choose to become cyborg again. And so he does. He does choose to be cyborg. So that being a hero on your own terms is such a big moment for, for cyborg um, in just all of storytelling. And so like to have this show have this full arc, this is where it lands. It's like Cyborg chooses to be Cyborg in this moment. And so it's a big, big moment for him. Um, I'm glad that we got to see it. You and I have been talking about this character so much, ever, all the time. I think yeah. we always talk about this character. I didn't think I would, um, I would talk about Cyborg as much as I have in the past couple years, honestly, ever in my life. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, he's definitely evolved uh, amongst the group. Um, and I think he's just a great character. So, um, yeah. And, um, and then we have one more relationship to talk about that would be um, Larry and Cliff. Uh, and then this one's a bit entropic, right? Like, this is a bit kind of both are on the deathbed a bit. And they, uh, you know, at first, uh, it starts off with Cliff saying he's going to drive to Florida and be with Clara and Rory. Larry and Jane, uh, is that what you're saying? You said Larry, Cliff and Jane. You said Larry and Cliff. Cliff and Jane Sorry. is the next relationship. Sorry. You're good. So I was just thinking, bad. I was like, wait a second, when did they have a heart to Larry, heart? I, I have notes in here. I was reading ahead, actually, because there was a rare Rita, Larry, Cliff, Jane right. moment at the end. Uh, but yes, Cliff and Jane drive down to Florida. Yes. That's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to make it sound like a certain song. Um but uh, yeah, they they uh, are on their way to Florida, and you know the the entropic parts of themselves is happening. You know, we, with um, Cliff having kind of a park metahuman Parkinson's, and then Crazy Jane having metahuman dementia, um, it and 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 getting older and 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 starting to be at the end of their their lifespan, um, really depressing entropic stuff that I you know have here on my notes. But um, yeah, it's honestly quite sad. And so these are this is kind of like a, mm, one of our first relationships in this entire series was you know Cliff and Jane. This is one of the bigger relationships that Grant Morrison wrote um, in 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 his run in Doom Patrol. And so to see these two characters in this TV show, we've been with these characters for four seasons now. Um, it's it's them not not having to reconcile like some of the other characters are having to reconcile with, but both of them being honest with each other about kind of the end of their life and not sure how to how to deal with it. So they both kind of go through the motions um, bluntly, and then of course it hits them in in the face, and then they have to turn around and drive back to the Doom Manor. But it's such comforting depression i think is is what i have here it's like ah it's the end isn't it and we have to you know face the face the music a bit so um i quite like this one i did too Um, this one made me feel like oh the show's ending (laughs) kind of yeah that was what i was going to say like this was the one that hit the hardest of like the two characters uh that you know especially with crawling through the wreckage when we you know first started 
talking about it like that is the opening like you get the two characters and that's the start you get them and then to have them at the end being like Mm -hmm. hey we're both like dying and both accepting it um but also like accepting it in like the wrong way kind of thing where it's like well now at what point is like acceptance versus giving up um and like i think that's like where they're at kind of uh, with that whole mentality of like, fuck it. If we only have so much time left, we got to do it, spending, spending it, doing what we want to do. Um, and that's what they've always kind of thought. Like Jane and Cliff have always been on that same page of that type of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just really cool to see them together in the car again. Um, you know, at first, hmm. mm-hmm. at first Cliff was driving very slowly and, uh, you know, it was his way of saying goodbye, um, very, yeah. very parental kind of way. Um, and it still just had that air of parentalness to it, which was really cool. Um, not saying yeah. that that's like, you know, their relationship as a whole, because no, they're, they're, they're buddies, they're best friends kind of deal. Um, but it's still on the same page of each other. Like, I, I don't want to, I asked you to come with me for a reason. You know, I don't want to necessarily drive fast. I'm not looking to get there in a hurry, but I enjoy your time. And if this is the end, then, you know, I'm going to spend it doing this, um, which is which is really great. That's excellent. Um, Cliff definitely has the great line of telling Jane that she's not all alone and they do have a family, which was, you know, something that Cliff had to learn way back when. Um, but again, mm-hmm. it's it's that theme of acceptance that we all want within these characters and that what these characters have been longing for this entire time. Yeah, one of, one of the things I um, wanted at the end of the episode would have been for Cliff to just remove the Rory mitt and just allow himself, you know, because there's a moment where, you know, Jane, she's tired and she's getting old, obviously, and she lays kind of leans in on, on Cliff and he puts his hand, he puts the Rory mitt on her. And I thought, you know, at this moment, if you're just, I know you, you know, Claire is your daughter and you love to, to be with them and Rory and all that stuff um, before you pass away as well, or the Parkinson's takes over, um, it's to just do away with the mitt and allow your, you know, your one sensory hand to, you know, comfort someone um, in, in kind of the final moments. And so that would have been the only thing I was like, oh, he should, I wish he just got rid of that mitt. Yeah. Um, but that whole moment at the fireplace, you know, uh, of course, um, Larry and Rita, they kind of, um, like I've been saying many times, they reconcile, they sit by the fireplace and they come together again. And then, of course, here then comes Cliff and Jane and they, and, you know, the whole group is back together. The core four, um, they're all here at the manor. And, and and to see that moment of all of them, and then they're starting to talk about some of the past episodes that have happened. It's just it it just felt so bittersweet. And it's yeah. a very melancholy moment uh, for the Doom Patrol, and so kind of a wrap just, up. Yeah, and it, like I said um, in the beginning of this episode, I, I enjoy that this episode is doing that for us now. So uh, in, in in next week's episode, and then in the series finale we can build on that some more and have a more fulfilled ending rather than it feel like we need to have this moment in the 12th episode right? Um, to, to wrap things up 
because we have to. It's like, no, we've we plan to wrap this up. So we're going to take our time wrapping it up and do it the way that we want it to to end. So um, this is just a perfect stepping stone for the last two episodes. So it's just overall fantastic. Um, feel good in a bittersweet way. It's a feel good episode for me. Um, but that's really all I had for this one. So Nate, I don't know if you had anything else. No, that's pretty much it. Um, pretty pretty much it. I'm excited to see how it's going to end because um, it's still mm-hmm. you know at the beginning of the episode people were accepting uh death and the old age and stuff but now it, it turns into a uh it's it seems like we're going into another rescue mission um yeah and hey you know what best possible situation is that they get longevity <laughs> back right if the show they doesn't get, continue uh, on in, in real time at least it continues on in my head next episode is um like a crash bandicoot warped uh episode apparently so okay. we'll see what happens okay you go start they start time traveling all right um it'll be very curious to see you know we we we, we we've talked about um time travel um a little bit throughout season four and in season three and there's still a lot of questions unanswered about it so i'm wondering now that there's this time warp will it finally connect some of the dots yeah you you do have a have a lasting time (laughs) travel question so i'm curious to see what's going to happen because i'm still not 100 percent on the same page with with your questioning the time travel stuff but hey because yeah we'll we'll figure it out um so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there um yeah Tell us what you thought. Uh, you can join us on Dueling Genre Discord or wherever else you listen to our podcast. Let us know. And without further ado, DJ, please take it away. <laughs>